This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's the 40th anniversary of Apple's Macintosh computer. 1984, the first Apple Mac dropped. It had a 72 screen pixels per inch. As of now, you're looking at 250 screen pixels per inch in the uh, new models. Stephen Scott has memories of the Apple Mac, good and bad. That seems reasonable. Stephen hosts Double Tap on AMI-audio, which you can find daily at noon Eastern time. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Nice to chat with you. Hey, good morning, Dave. This is the best topic in the world for us to geek out on for me. Never mind your sport. Keep your sports. This is what you want to talk about. 40th anniversary of Max. Where do we begin? Can we just do the whole show on this? Can we just scrap the rundown? You know, we I, I would not necessarily all the way object, Stephen, because much like yourself, I've got a lot of history and experience with Max as well. You know, I was, I was born in 83, so in a lot of my elementary schools and high schools, Macintosh computers were the were the commonality. So I've been I've been rocking with Max uh, pretty much since I've been like touch, touching computers. What was your first experience with the Apple Max? Well, exactly the same as you, Dave, because of course, as you say, education was a key area for Apple in the early days, especially. And you know, it was a great way for them to get these Macs into kids' lives, into schools, and for all, all of us to get used to them. Of course, it wasn't universal. A lot of schools had PCs as well. We had PCs, but we always used our Apple Macs more, and we had more of them, hence why we used them. And my first memory of going right back to, you know, my very first, and Mark Aflalo on Access Tech Live always jokes about this. He's like, you're so specific about this particular laptop, but it was a <laughs> Mac PowerBook. Back in the days, they weren't called MacBooks, they were called PowerBooks, uh, and that was the first laptop I ever used, and it was the PowerBook 190, which was a, a clamshell design, very similar to what you'd expect today, but it had, and it was one of the ones with the first color screen, which was a big deal in those days. Color. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I did have the 145, which didn't have a color screen. It was a grayscale screen. It even had, wait for this, a trackpad that had a ball in it. So it had a trackball, not a trackpad. Uh, and we were talking on Double Tap the other day about how it's always important to keep them clean. And you had to learn how to get your nail, you had to grow your nails a certain length just to <laughs> dig into this little hole to get all the hairs out of it so you could keep it clean. Otherwise, the ball would never move. Uh, it was an absolute nightmare, something the kids of today just do not understand. What did you like about these early iterations, though? Because clearly you were you were a devotee pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's because it was new, it was exciting, it was different, it was cool. Um, you know, it was cool because, you know, these computers early on could do things that Windows computers couldn't do. And, you know, you might remember over the years, there were advertising campaigns for Apple that kind of had, you know, Apple is the cool guy and the Windows guy was the guy in the beige suit with the tie going to work on the 905, doing spreadsheets. Uh, there was a great ad, I remember, where they had a, a guy who... You know, he was leaping out of his box. He was, he was, he was Mac, right? So he was jumping out of his box. And he's like, "Hey, I'm going to make some videos. I'm going to do some pictures, and I'm going to, you know, whatever it was." And the PC guy, he's trying to plug himself into all these different things, and, <laughs> you know, plug in the mouse and the box. And he's like, 
And the Mac guy just says to him, well, it looks like you've got a lot of stuff to do before you do any stuff. I'll just get on. And I loved that because that was the Mac. You know, they sold the iMac, especially when it got to the little colourful iMacs that we had with all the different colours, the blue, the beige, the yellows, all those lovely colours that came through, maybe not the beige one. But, you know, the fact was that you get all these great, you know, designs and it was cool. You could plug it into the wall. You could plug it in to the internet and you could just go. And that was the thing. It just yeah. made it cool yeah. and it made it easy to use and understand. That That is the the Mac that I think about the most. The late 90s iMacs that were just bubble-shaped. They were, they were big and bulky because everything was <laughs> at the time, mm-hmm. but it was just that big bubble shape. And like you said, one wire that ran out of it that you plugged into the wall, there was a room to jack in your internet, and maybe you were going to connect a keyboard. And that was it, man. Like, that was it. Like, you were often rolling out of the box. My high school that I attended had one room for the Mac computers and had one room for the PC computers. And to my school's credit, St. <laughs> George's Academy, like a school that changed my life, they made sure that we developed competencies on both. Yeah, and that was a smart move because, of course, as you moved into the workplace later in life, you would be using PCs more than Macs. And that became very apparent to me later in life. I remember the first time my first job and I sat down in front of this PC and I'm thinking, how do I use this? This is horrible. Uh, I can't figure this out. Uh, you know, and I felt like I needed to wear a suit and tie in order to to use it. Um, I, I'm going to say that a lot because I like to annoy the PC. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, you know, you mentioned those little bubble Macs and, you know, there was an advert that was on at the time and it was Jeff Goldblum. I always remember this. Jeff Goldblum did the ad for it and it was him saying, there are three steps to set up a new iMac. Uh, step one, take it out of the box. Step two, plug in your power and Ethernet. And that's it. There's no step three. There's no step three. And he just laughs. You know, and it was just, it was this, the simplicity of it. And I think that was the joy of it. I think that was the thing that made it interesting. And, you know, it was interesting because Johnny, Johnny Ive, who developed it and actually created it and designed it, he put a handle on it. And when asked why, why do you put a handle on it? He said, because I want people to feel like they can touch it. I want people to feel like they can get up close mm, mm. and they can touch and physically feel part of the device. It becomes part of them. Now, we all know that's marketing nonsense, but the point is, it's true. You do feel that you're connected with it in a different way to, at the time, a PC for sure. Stephen, there was a time where whether it was a PC or a Mac, the accessibility experience was essentially zero, right? From my perspective as someone who was legally blind, my face was right on the screen to read these little teensy tiny fonts. But right around 2005, that's when there was a little bit of that Cambrian explosion of accessibility across the Mac platform. What was the accessibility experience before and after for you? So up until 2005, there wasn't much. And I always remember when macOS 8 came along, there was a a little third-party application uh, which was developed because, and not getting too geeky about it, but the guys who were behind the development of the drivers, the the, the software that drove all the software on the Mac, uh, developed this thing called a Macintosh driver. Now, in and of itself, it just meant that the audio, or the computer had audio, right? But what it enabled developers to do was create a screen reader for the Mac because they had access to audio. So what that meant was they developed this application called Outspoken. And Outspoken was the first ever screen reader to appear on a Mac. And it was there up until Mac OS X when the project was retired because at that point, when Mac OS X came out, they developed 
what was called voiceover. And then they developed a service called Universal Access as well. And that didn't just work for people who were blind. That worked for lots of different people, hearing issues, motor issues. It was the beginning of what we see today. Uh, and in 2005, it depends on your viewpoint. Younger people might say that was only yesterday. It feels to me like it was fairly only yesterday, I guess. Um, but it actually was a few years ago, right? But not as long as you might think yeah, yeah. it was. I think a lot of people think, oh, accessibility must have been in the Mac since the 90s, but it wasn't. It was only there from about 2002, 2003, and then officially in 2005. Stephen, even to this day, for all the progress that PCs and Windows have made in regards to accessibility, in terms of an accessibility setup on any device that I've ever had, nothing has been easier than my 2007 iMac. That you pull it out of the box, you hit like three buttons, and anything you wanted font-wise uh, font was just boom done for you, complete. Whereas you have to do a lot of individual customization from program to program, and I think that was one of the things that really put Apple ahead of the game and continues to keep them a bit ahead of the game is because they always made the accessibility a little more simple than the Microsoft side. Yeah, totally, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, surprise you, Dave, because here on Now with Dave Brown, live on AMI-TV, don't be nervous, um, I've got that 2007 iMac in my hand. <gasps> oh my gosh! There it is. There it is. Is that That's, is that my computer? That Did you break into my apartment and steal my old computer? <laughs> yes, I stole your computer. It's very heavy. Hang on, I break an arm here. <laughs> yeah. um, it is incredibly heavy, but that was the original, or one of the original iMacs, uh, which had that very flat. I say flat. I mean, compared to today's iMacs, quite different. But you know, it had that flat screen. It had the CD drive still in it. The reason I have it is because I want to start ripping some CDs. <laughs> thought, what better than using this because it's got the built-in CD drive? But that was the—I mean—that was so cool at the time. And you know, that's 2007. And even then, you know, even now, I suppose the design is so classic that you think, "Wow, this is incredible." You know, even today, it still stands out. People still comment on it, and it's, it's how old is that, right? It's compared to today's machines. Yeah, seven, 17 years ago. Out. 17 years ago. And like, it works like, fine. Yeah, yeah, like, that's it. it. My, mine, mine eventually died, but it took about 10 years for it to eventually go down. And then I didn't do anything to try and fix it up. I'm sure if I'd brought it to a Mac repair shop, it probably could have uh, been drawn out a little bit longer. So, Stephen, if I read between the lines there, would you say that's your favorite generation of the iMac? It is. I think it is because, you know, there was a time where there were issues, right? Because, of course, when you look back and compare it to today, you do see the holes. And part of that was that, you know, for a long period of time, Apple used Intel processors. And what that meant was you got a lot of heat on a computer. So a MacBook would be roasting hot. The iMac would run hot as well. You wouldn't get the blazing fast speeds of a solid state drive till much later on a Mac because they didn't have that. So you were running those uh, spinning drives, which were often quite slow. So you had Intel processors, slower drives. So newer Macs, obviously the, the new ones with the, the Sil Apple Silicon processors, the M1, the M2, the M3, these are really fast with those hard drives. You really notice the difference. I mean, anyone upgrading from one of those old machines to one of the newer ones today really notice the difference. But that doesn't go away from the fact that I think, if I'm honest, the design of these machines, these old classic, you know, metal, you know, really hard-wearing systems, you know, you cannot get away with the fact the screen was excellent on them, probably the best screen I'd ever used, and it had better vision then. And on top of that, you get this incredible design that is, is pretty timeless, I think. 
pretty timeless classic mm. design, and I would never get rid of this. Stephen, one more question on the way out the door here. Nothing to do with Mac at all. What else do you and Sean have lined up for today's edition of Double Tap on AMI-audio? Uh, so Sean and I were out at the weekend, so we're going to tell you a little bit about that. Um, it was chaos, as you can imagine. Um, so we're having some fun talking about that. We're going to get into some other Apple news because there's talk of uh, them, uh, apparently, they'll be launching a new version of Siri this year in iOS 18. And oh. if the rumors are true, it is going to be filled to the brim with AI intelligence. So we oh. shall see if that's true or not. Um, and also I've bought something new, which is a specialist piece of technology. Uh, which people might be surprised to learn a bot. It's not that I'm most expensive, but I am very excited about it. I'll tell you all on air today. I love it every time there's a feature about what Stephen spent his hard-earned money on. Because I know that you don't like spending the money, but I also know you like mm. new things. So I always mm. enjoy the impromptu review. <laughs> very, it always impromptu you with me. There's absolutely <laughs> no work goes into it at all, I promise. <laughs> Stephen, thanks for this, brother. Have a great day. Thanks, Dave. Have a good one. That's Stephen Scott, one of the co-hosts of Double Tap. You can find that show noon Eastern on AMI-audio, and you can follow the Double Tap team on X at Double Tap on Air at Double Tap on Air. Coming up after the break, unsolved mysteries come to the round table. Alex Smythe has some questions for myself, Nazreen, and Ramya. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv and in streaming audio at amiplus.ca. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.